0: we'll be talking a bit about the topic of hospitality. Now, there is a, a great virtue, one of the things that are re, that is re, regarded as a great virtue in our time, in our Western culture, in, in these modern days, and that is the virtue of being self-sufficient. The virtue of being able to support yourself and to provide in all of your own needs. And um, Sometimes it happens that there's someone maybe in your family who can't and that person is usually Kind of an embarrassment to the family, you know that that nephew or that brother or that whoever it is um, That is kind of dependent on the rest of the family um, to take care of them And that's that's an embarrassment to the family. It's you know, we love that person, but we don't talk to people a lot about that person and um, in, in my own life, um, Hanyu and I stay with my parents, and usually if I speak about this, I am very cautious in how, in the words I use when I say that we stay with my parents, you know, I would throw in words like rent, you know, we rent from my parents, you know, we're just like normal other people, it just happens to be my parents' that we are staying in or you know I I kind of explain or try to explain the the situation and you know it's a there's enough space for everyone so you know we're staying there but it's it's not something that's like um, just a neutral subject Um, and it's something that we often kind of like to to hide in some or other way but the thing about this great virtue of the modern age of being self-sufficient is um, or well, let me say, a very interesting thing starts to happen if we are not self-sufficient. If for some or other reason, we cannot provide in our own needs. And when God actually comes through and provides in our needs through other people. I, uh, a, few, a couple of years back, I did my master's degree in the Netherlands and um, i underestimated the amount of time that it will take me to finish my thesis by a month so i gave up my room um, for the end of june and i was like end of june i'm going to be finished and i'll be out of here and i'll have my masters and it's going to be great and june came and i realized very quickly i am not going to be finished with my master's thesis by the end of june and I'm a foreigner, I'm a stranger, I don't have connections, if that happened here, um, you know, there's family all over the place and friends and whatever, you, you, you are connected, you could have, it wouldn't have been such big of a problem. But there, um, I mean, no one would have even noticed if I just fell over and didn't get up again, <laughs> probably. So, um, but luckily I was in a church um, and I had that church community around me. And out of the blue, um, people started uh, telling me I can stay in their rooms while they are um, on holiday and so on. It's it's June, um, July in, uh, in, in Europe, so it's holiday season. And the students, you know, went on holiday one after the other. So I, in that last month, that I very... <laughs> yeah, Um, focused a lot to just finish my thesis, I stayed in four different rooms and in a tent in someone's garden. And I was there with my backpack all over town, moving from place to place um, into rooms of generous people who just opened up their homes for me, who really um, had no way at all to repay them in any way. For one, I was poor. Otherwise, I would have just I booked an Airbnb, so I couldn't have, I mean, they, they knew there wouldn't be any financial gain for them. And the second thing is I'm a foreigner and I'm on my way back to South Africa, so there wouldn't be, you know, it's not like they do this for me now and next time I do something else for them or I cook meals for them for the rest of the year or I babysit or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it was just pure selfless hospitality on their side. Now before I go on, um, I will in a while, because there might have been some red lights flickering in your head when I I talk about being self-sufficient and dependent and independent and so on, that's a big topic, Um, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but we will come back to that one. Um, But on this topic of hospitality, opening the door, um, I would like us to look at three things this evening. The first one is... uh, Um, what the Bible says about hospitality, like a biblical case for hospitality. Second thing is what modern wisdom says about hospitality, our age and our day, what do we say? And then the third thing is what does theology say, more like a systematic thing, what does theology say about hospitality? So, um, in the Bible, there are in some of the letters, there are a list at the end of the letters. It's usually a very handy um, part if you, you know, want to see if you're still on the straight and narrow and so on. It's usually, you know, you like reading those, those lists um, to, to make sure what it means to be a Christian. And um, there's one of those at the end of Romans, Romans 12. Um, so let's read it. Romans 12 is 9... is part of the calling or the Christian life. Another one of those lists are at the end of First Peter. First Peter 4, verse eight and nine says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So the one Paul says in the one, you know, uh, providing the needs of, um, of each other, of the saints, and practice hospitality. This one says the same thing, practice hospitality without grumbling. Um, in the, when Paul talks to Timothy and to Titus about the, um, the requirements of an elder or a pastor, he lists, together with all the other things that makes a lot of sense to us, um, he also lists hospitality. So together with, you know, um, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, um, that all of that makes sense, hospitable. And then again, you know, able to teach, not given to drunkenness. And again in Titus, that was in, in 1 Timothy 3, again in Titus, he must be hospitable, he must love what is good, and he must be self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined. When the New Testament talks about Rahab um, in 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 Joshua, the the prostitute of Jericho, who opened her home to the spies, um, in Hebrews 11, uh, it talks about her as being saved by the fact that she welcomed the strangers, saved because of her hospitality. And Job, in his final speech, in his final plea to the um, uh, prosecutor and to the judge, he lists a couple of things, most of which, once again, makes a lot of sense. He says, um, I did not look lustfully upon another woman. I did not deal unjustly with my servants. I did not put my trust in gold. I did not worship the sun and the stars. I did not rejoice over my enemy's misfortune. I did not deny the desires of the, um, or the needs of the poor, the widow, and the fatherless. And my house was always open to the stranger. My door was open. Why are all these bad things happening to me? Look, you know, what, what a good person I was. So <clears throat> at least, at the very least, it is clear that hospitality is a topic in the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament. It is something that is important. It's an important part of the Christian life. Now, the words that are used, the, the Greek words for hospitality is also very interesting. The, the one um, is the word philozenos. So, I think you can actually figure out what this means. Philo, phileo, what does that mean? Love, love for... Um, a brother or a friend, brotherly love, phileo, and then xenos, if you think of xenophobia, which means fear of the stranger or the foreigner, philo means love for the stranger of the foreign, or the foreigner. So all these words, when Paul talks about it, when, um, when it's mentioned in, in Hebrews and in, uh, in Peter, it's the word love for the stranger. Uh, love the stranger, and then <clears throat> the other word that is used is <coughs> sorry, is dechomai, and it means to receive or to welcome, to receive in a welcoming manner. So Jesus uses this word um, quite a lot in the in the Gospels, and for example in in Matthew ten, and in the other Gospels as well. I'll just be using Matthew as an example, but it's the same word in the other Gospels. Um, where Jesus sends out the 12 disciples to the towns. He says, uh, Matthew 10 verse 14, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your word, leave that home or town and shake the dust off off your feet. And then just later in the chapter he says, because anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, God the Father. So. Jesus is saying those people who are welcoming the disciples into their homes and into their communities are also welcoming Jesus himself. Now, of course, they are, in a sense, welcoming the gospel by welcoming the messengers, so that makes sense. Um, And then, just a few chapters later, Jesus used the words again in in Matthew 18, uh, where he's asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And, um... Jesus pulls closer a child and he says, if you do not become like one of these children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And again, the same idea in, um, in Hebrews 13, which is an interesting passage where it says, do not forget to show hospitality, to show philozenos to strangers, for by doing so... Um, Some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So the point here that I'm trying to to make is that when we show hospitality and when we welcome strangers, we are busy with a very high calling, with a very high task. And it's not just about this person and making this person feel comfortable uh, for whatever reason. Jesus is saying, you're welcoming me or you might be welcoming angels. It's just that the, you know, the bar is set higher. So that was the first point, the um, a, a kind of a broad overview of what the Bible says about hospitality. Now the second thing that I would um, like to talk to is what modern wisdom says about hospitality. So I mentioned at the beginning the great virtue, uh, one of the great virtues of our time of being self-sufficient to provide in your own needs. And one part of that or how it flows out is being in control of your life. Um, you know, having, having needs and knowing that you have everything you need to provide in those needs. You are in control. Obviously, you know that you cannot go through life without needs, but you, as they arise, you will be able to, to meet them, and that puts you in control of your life. Who of you know this book? And who's read it? Some people know about it. Some people's read it. Some people read the first chapter. Good job, Marcus. That's because it's a a bestseller. It says on the cover, New York Times bestseller, over two million copies um, sold. The subtitle: uh, When to say yes and how to say no to take control of your life. This is this is great. Who of you have heard of the book Saved by Faith and Hospitality? No one. It's not a bestseller. It's not hip. It's not something that people like to talk about these days. So, hear me out. Boundaries are good. When to say yes and how to say no to take control of your life is vital. But we hear that message too much. And we hear too little... Of love strangers without grumbling. Our boundaries become a comfort zone for us. It it becomes like a safety net, like when I start feeling you know uncomfortable uh, I can easily jump on the boundaries wagon and say no I have to protect you know myself and my time and I'm not gonna be of help to anyone if I burn out. And all of those things are true, they are true and we can only judge our own motives. Um, we can only know, in what, you know what's going on in our hearts. So I'm not saying that we should burn this book. Um, we have a couple of copies and we really like telling people to read it and it's made a big difference in, in my life and so on and so forth. But I'm just here to be another voice or to make us aware of another voice tonight and to look at some other verses in the Bible which we might not read that often. You know how the, our gravity <coughs> determines how everything is pulled towards the center of something it's the same with us we have psychological gravity all our uh, actions and uh, affections and our thoughts are pulled towards ourselves we are very very selfish people and neglecting hospitality is the path of least resistance it will be easier to just turn a blind eye towards the stranger walking in through the door or whatever the situation might be. Another thing that we um, like to tell ourselves is that I cannot be hospitable if I am still dependent or if I don't have everything that I think I need. Wrong, Jesus didn't have a home and he was probably the most hospitable person that ever lived and that's because people felt welcome in his presence. His love, his presence, was his way of showing his hospitality. Um, I don't know if you've watched The Chosen, um, but one of the things that they, you know, throw in there as, a, as you know, apocryphal, um, it's obviously not in the Bible, but it's a nice kind of way of showing his, his, his hospitality, is um, when he leaves a place, when he packs up his his little, you know, tent, um, he always leaves wood for the next person, firewood, or he leaves the place tidy for the next person. And it's that thing. It's not about having everything and then starting to being hospitable. It's about sharing whatever it is that you do have, of which the, the least and maybe the, the most valuable is your presence, your time, your attention, a conversation with someone. So, loving a stranger will mean that you have to force yourself to be interested in a person that you would not naturally have been interested in. And you have to engage in a conversation that would not, maybe not have, you know, you wouldn't have wanted to have that conversation now that's part of hospitality. It also means that you will have to endure someone and a stranger um, and maybe even a foreigner or someone that's really on different levels different than you in your space. Maybe in your home. Someone that doesn't actually fit there. So we can very easily be generous and hospitable towards our family and our friends and people that are like us and then pat ourselves on the back and say, you know, I had a great hospitable week um, because these people were in my home. And we might still be missing the point then. Of course, don't stop doing that. Um, that's part of, that's another part of the Christian life. But um, what we're trying to get to here is, is something else. <clears throat> so we are talking here about foreigners and strangers, about people who doesn't fit in naturally, whether they are from other ethnic groups or from a different financial group, and that can go lower and higher, so it's just as difficult to be hospitable towards someone that's in a higher financial group than you. Maybe you, you, know, you feel self-aware, or you feel they should be hospitable towards me, or you just feel you can't you know you can never meet their standard um, and then obviously lower as well to to be hospitable towards people that are just in general in different situations than we are and the other thing about strangers is that they might do things that irritate you, they probably will because they have different habits and a different way and And that's probably going to irritate you at some point. And boundaries will teach you how to have that conversation then with them. So once again, don't burn it. But once you are hospitable, maybe read it to help you be even more, you know, to draw the lines of knowing um, how to have those conversations with people. Um, A a very helpful thought, um, which is from another best seller, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, is, uh, which I haven't read, Um, but Hanyu told me, that he speaks about um, going from a point of dependence to independence to reach a point of interdependence. And I think that's a healthy way to think of it. Um, Obviously we don't want a bunch of people who cannot meet their own needs. Uh, but we do put it on a pedestal that is too high, I think. And, and it it means that we are not open uh, to see other people's needs because we think you should be able to meet your own needs. I'm not supposed to, to help you in this situation. And when we are in a situation where we just can't meet our needs, we are maybe very, very... Um, uh, disappointed in ourselves, or we don't know how to accept gifts or hospitality or help from other people. So reaching a point of interdependence on each other, I think, is, is a healthy way of thinking about it. Now, um, <clears throat> the third thing that I want to talk about tonight, or the third part of this uh, talk, is the, what our theology says about hospitality. So um, the biblical case is more like look at the verses uh, and the words that are used, and the you know overview from from the specific Bible verses. And the theological case would be more um, we call it systematic theology. It's looking at the bigger picture and the the, the message behind it, or um, yeah, the bigger picture of of these things. So, what I want to state is that hospitality is part of the core message of Christianity. And I'd like to show you from, from two texts why I say this. The, the one is in the Old Testament and the one in the New Testament. So, in Leviticus 19, um, we've just went through a, you know, a series on Moses' life and the Israelites and the Exodus. And in this time, <coughs> when they are now in the wilderness, God says the following to them. Leviticus 19 verse 34, he says, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. God is saying, you were once strangers, foreigners, residing in a foreign country, and I'm the Lord your God who led you out of Egypt. So now, You must do the same to others. You must welcome them. And then this point is taken further in the New Testament, in Ephesians. Ephesians 2, um, verses 13 and 19 says, In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. This is the absolute pinnacle of hospitality. You are not foreigners and strangers anymore. You are now fellow citizens. You are members of the household. You are not even guests anymore. You are members of the household. So the, the same thing that God did to the Israelites by taking them and making them um, a group, make, give him the, giving them an identity, he now does to the Gentiles. He's opening the doors of the kingdom of heaven to the Gentiles. This is what Paul calls the mystery of the gospel that was made known even to the heavenly hosts, even to the angels. This mystery of the gospel was made known through the church, through the fact that the doors of The kingdom of heaven is now open to the Gentiles as well. They were not part of the covenant once and now they are part. God showed hospitality towards us, towards mankind as a whole and towards each one of us individually through his blood. As we've said, hospitality is welcoming someone who does not ordinarily fit there, who does not ordinarily belong there where they are now. You and I don't belong in the kingdom of heaven from our side. In our sinful nature, we stink to God. We irritate him. Our habits and our sins irritates God and it's repulsive to him. And yet he has welcomed us in. Yet he cleanses us from that stink and he clothes us with new garments. He calls it righteousness so that we don't stink. And he teaches us a new way of life. He has that boundaries conversation with us. And says guys this is how it works in my house and I really want you in here but you're gonna have to follow these rules and then he calls us to do the same he calls us to welcome the stranger in our midst so I would like to now first pray for us, but then I would actually, after the prayer, um, like us to have a bit of reflection on this and a bit of conversation um, on, on this. So let me pray and then I'll take it further. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you that you are the door that we may enter into the kingdom of heaven, into your presence, into your home. We were once strangers, foreigners to your kingdom, but you, <coughs> you opened up the way for us to be fellow citizens, to be members of the household. Each one of us. This is each one of our stories. And now, Lord, you are calling us to do the same. You're calling us to open our hearts, our conversations, even our homes, and to open this community, this church, to strangers. And foreigners and to make them feel at home here. Lord, show us what that means. Teach us. We are so selfish. It's so easy for us to take care of ourselves and to focus on ourselves and be so self-aware that we don't see those who might feel very, very strange and uncomfortable in our presence. Help us to or open our eyes, Lord, to spread this very important part of the gospel to those around us. Thank you, Lord Jesus.